Welcome to the Heart Kids Podcast. Join us as we explore stories of Australians impacted by childhood heart conditions. I am one of your hosts, Samuel Stolberg. I was born with a congenital heart condition and I had my first open heart surgery at the age of 26. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we are recording on the land of the Gubby Gubby peoples, otherwise known as Queensland's Sunshine Coast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and the land that you're listening in from today. We pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Today's guest is NRLW superstar Kennedy Charrington. Kennedy is 23 years old and plays for the Parramatta Eels in the National Rugby League Women's Competition. She's one of the absolute superstars of the league. Kennedy was also born with a congenital heart condition. Now, I want to rattle off a couple of the achievements that you've had uh, as a young woman already. So... Uh, you're playing for the Eels in their opening season. Yeah. Uh, you also debuted for the Roosters where you got Rookie of the Year. You played Rugby Union for the Waratahs. In 2017, you won gold at the Youth Commonwealth Games in the Bahamas. You played in the same year, I believe, it was the Oz Women's Seven side in the yeah. Oceania Games in Fiji where you also won gold. Yep. 2019 at the Pacific Games in Samoa where you won silver. Yep. And you're also a dirty cockroach playing for the... Uh, <laughs> for New South Wales, state of origin. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Unreal. So thank you for joining us today, Kennedy. Where are you joining us from? Um, oh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm currently in All-Stars camp in Western Sydney where um, we're just prepping for camp. Um, we play in two days so on Saturday. And yeah, can't wait. Really excited to be in camp. Very excited. Um, I'm excited to watch the games, actually. I watched uh, some of your highlight reels and you know, you're, you're an amazing young talent. So so let's get started. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your heart condition? Yeah, so um, I was born with a CHD, um, congenital heart defect. Some people kind of um, get it confused with congenital heart disease. So there are actually two different types of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born with a leaking valve in my left ventricle. So my mitral valve in my left ventricle wasn't pumping out the oxygenated blood to the rest of my my heart. So as a young child, I was lethargic. I was blue. I was just just didn't have that energy like um, young kids should have. And my parents were quite worried. It didn't actually get picked up till I was about eight, like a proper diagnosis, because it had just been swept under the carpet, like not a proper diagnosis. So they thought I had like a leaking uh, hole in the heart and they thought I had all these other things, but my parents just wanted to get a second opinion when I, as I got older and yeah, it turns out they were right and ended up being leaking valves. So I ended up going into emergency uh, surgery when I was eight years old. So eight years old, do you remember what your surgery was like in hospital and, and how did you go through uh, that ordeal? Majority of the stories I hear come from my parents, but I do remember a lot giving in that it was so traumatic for um, an eight-year-old to go through. So um, I remember being told I was going for surgery and I didn't think much of it. I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. I was pretty chill about it, my parents said. Um, it wasn't until oh, – because they said I, I fronted strong. I fronted strong like for my family, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. But it wasn't until I went through the doors, like the surgery doors with my parents, and that's when I like kind of broke down because I was like – I actually remember this happening and, yeah, I just broke down and I was I was real scared. But um, I think the Heart Kids Foundation got, like, a few of the nurses to come in and just comfort me. I was watching Harry Potter movies, like, while they prepped me for surgery. So that was pretty traumatic. <laughs> I still remember like it was yesterday. But then I don't remember anything. I remember waking up in and out during ICU. I remember my chest being really, really sore. I remember doing, like, a breathing exercises with the the doctors and nurses 
And then it's kind of a blur, that whole ICU bit. When I got home, I was um, I was in bed. I had to stay in bed for about three, three months, just bedside. Um, my parents ended up moving my bed into the lounge where it was closer to my parents and stuff like that. But otherwise, yeah, that, that stuff feels like it was yesterday, given that was so traumatic for me. But um, no, it's actually all right. I don't have any issues now, which I'm really grateful for. But yeah, it's a story I can tell my kids one day. Absolutely blessed, hey, and uh, I'm sure it would have been difficult for your parents to uh, to keep you locked down for for three or four months when you're you know eight years old. Speaking of your parents, have they told you much about what the time was like for them? Yeah, I still hear stories now and then um, of mum like explaining what it was like, but it's the same thing. Like they were young parents, late twenties, they would have been. So they were, you know, the typical parents who were just kind of uneducated on the whole seriousness of how everything goes about, especially with the heart. They were just like, oh, like, does she really need surgery? And then the doctor just pretty much said, like, if she doesn't have surgery, she's going to wake up one day and you're going to find her dead. Like, that's the seriousness of her condition right now. And I think they took, like, it was a big, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is serious. This isn't something like a broken arm or anything. So for them it was, yeah, really traumatic. They didn't sleep for days <laughs> um, while I was in recovery and while I was having surgery. I just remember them telling me that they were just a mess that whole week. But, yeah, I would be too if that was my child. <laughs> but there was, you know, those scary thoughts that my parents were having, like, you know, the risks going into surgery. I could have, you know, passed away on the table type thing because, yeah, they actually had to restart my heart two times on the table. The CPR. So yeah, it was it was really scary. Uh, nah, my parents got through that, and if they can get through that, I can get through anything. anything. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you, you sound like a pretty resilient uh, family, and you you sound like a very strong um, young woman now as well. So it's amazing what what we can get through. So growing up with a heart condition is obviously very challenging, and especially when you're having surgery at such a young age. What was it like for you growing up with your heart condition, and then going through surgery? And did you ever feel different? Um, when I came back to school, I was treated like a little celebrity. Um, my whole school got like stuff sent to the hospital and like cards made up. And when I came back to school, like my parents had a really close relationship with my teachers just to keep an eye on me. So I didn't feel different like that way. Um, I didn't feel like an outsider, just had a cool ass scar that you could kind of see at the time because it was so thick and it was a bit high up. But um, I used to show people like, oh, my God, i got a scar. Like <laughs> I, I felt, I didn't feel, you know, left out or anything or isolated. So I think that was really good. I think that's the relationship my parents built with the school at the time. But physically I did feel a lot different. I ran cross-country literally a month or so after I got back to school and like my parents were like, um, what are you doing? Like, can you relax? Anyways, I ended up coming 10. <laughs> I felt different. I felt, I don't know how to put it. I just keep saying this. I felt fit before. Like, obviously I had remembered playing sport before um, my surgery and I was tired. I was just like, oh my God, headaches, head spins, everything. And then I actually felt I could move. I could breathe properly. And it's just scary how that major condition went under, under wraps for a bit. So I have no issues now and I still don't to this day. So really grateful for my surgeon, really grateful for the hospital and the team that looked after me and probably gave me one of the best um, heart jobs. If my surgeon said that, he was one of the best jobs he's done. So I'm really, really grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're we're very blessed in Australia with um, some amazing, uh, with an amazing health system. So um, my my scar's a little bit crooked. So uh, I get to wear mine as a badge of honour and and I love it. So from 
your experience growing up. Do you have any yep. advice um, for parents to heart kids about how to navigate this journey with their child? Yeah, um, I think my advice would be exactly what my parents did and what I've seen them, them do for me. So just keeping that open relationship with them, letting the child speak how they feel as well, not just, you know, how sometimes you go to appointments and it's just the parents talking, like give give the floor to your, your child, make sure they're heard as well because, you know, it is them their condition, you don't want them to feel even more isolated with everything going on. Like everything my parents did was, you know, out of love and everything. So just being that that listener for your child. But stay on top of their appointments. Like especially with me, I was moving all over the place. Like I went from Sydney to Perth back to Sydney and it was kind of hard to navigate the the system when I wasn't in a one place for too long. So just staying on top of your appointments knowing exactly what's going on. Like, you know, sometimes the terminology can be a bit confusing with the doctors, but just always asking questions as well. No questions ever too stupid to ask. That's what they're there for, like the doctors and stuff. And oh, one tip that uh, one, a friend gave me that also had like similar procedure, she like records her cardiologist appointments just so she doesn't forget or get confused with the terminology and exactly that's gone on so that's a cool tip i'm going to do that next time i go in so yeah those are a few tips from me excellent and okay so uh that that's for the adults and now being the superstar of rugby league that you are and you know you've you've got a big uh, career ahead of you still and i'm sure you're going to be uh a role model if you know you already be a role model but you will grow in in that position uh, as you get older would you have any advice for young children that are going through the similar sort of thing that you went through? I take it as like I got a second chance at life. I know as cliche as that sounds, but, you know, you, you we're pretty lucky, like you said, we're pretty lucky to have the medical system that we have in Australia and really, really grateful for the opportunities that can come at hand with, um, you know, the second chance at life. So I, ta- I used it as my determination, my why, my motivation for everything I do. Nothing's ever to I'm not satisfied with anything like as bad as it sounds um you know I always want to keep pushing because I know that I've got a second chance life I've got to make the most of it so like kids just keep pushing if you want to set a goal set more goals set 10 goals like you can do it anyone can do it like we've got a second chance for a reason so make the most of it but yeah it's uh, amazing advice so let's get into footy when did your love <laughs> of footy start my love of footy started at a very young age, um, I had older cousins playing in the NRL, all through the rep grades, through New South Wales Cup, Esther Ball, Howard Matts, all those competitions. So rugby league is and rugby union is in the blood. I started collecting the footy cards and the Smiths packet of chips years ago. I was memorising um, <laughs> memorizing stats from like Roy Asutasi back in the day in 2005, six. So started from an early age. Um probably helped that I went to a school that was obsessed with rugby league as well. But I didn't actually start playing till I was 10 in Perth, Western Australia after I relocated after having surgery. So yeah, it wasn't actually till I started, started playing when I was 10, I, I found the love for the game properly. <laughs> yeah, I got to, uh, I was very fortunate in grade 10, I moved to a school that had a, a rugby league specialization class. So I actually got to do rugby league oh. as a class, which was Amazing. It was so much fun. So what's it been like managing your condition and your footy career? I understand that, you know, you you sort of touched on it before when you're transitioning, you're moving around a lot. Um, I'm sure that's been difficult. Um, So how has it impacted not just your heart, but then also your football? 
especially with the higher end of football, like the higher rep teams, it's a lot more communication that I have to go back and forth with the physios, with the doctors, with all the uh, coaching staff. It's kind of just regurgitated. I have to tell everyone, like, (laughs) it's kind of annoying (laughs) repeating the same thing. But back when I was moving, yeah, it was quite difficult playing. I was basically fine fly out, like, from Perth to Sydney, and I wasn't staying on top of my cardiologist appointment because I'd be away or I'd be on tour or I wasn't in the States. So it wasn't until I was settled properly when I moved to Sydney and back in 2018, I got onto it straight away and found Dr. Cordina who through the Waratahs, I um, got in touch with her and then um, been seeing her for a while since I've been here. So she's really good. She has a sports background as well, which helps. She understands that, you know, I am fit, I'm athletic, I need to be probably watching my, 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 if I have any symptoms, random symptoms that pop up, or if I'm not feeling good, I get in touch with her straight away. So yeah, especially with every team I make too, like I'm the one that's always with the physios, like writing notes, giving it to them because I have to keep doing ECGs um, regularly because sometimes my mind still come up abnormal now and then, it's a bit weird. And then I have to keep doing the cardiac screening, um, full full body scan, yeah, it's just stuff like that. So it's 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 a lot, but like it's it's my responsibility. It's my health, and it comes first. If, if I can't, if I'm not healthy, I can't play footy. So it ties in together. That's exactly right. And uh, you know, being fit and healthy also helps with the heart condition. Um, Doctor Cordina, is that Doctor Rachel Cordina? Yeah. That's her. We uh, we had her on as a guest, and I got to interview her um, a few weeks ago, and she's such a lovely woman. So um, yeah, it was amazing to talk to her and, and get her uh, insight into um, exercise and how important it is as um, you know with congenital heart disease. So how does it feel to be living your childhood dream of becoming a professional footy player? Something that I dreamed of as a child, like you know, and uh, my heart unfortunately stopped me from going down that path. So I'm a little bit jealous. I think. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sometimes I still kick myself because I am still young. You know, every time I come into camp or every time I'm training or playing, I haven't played in a while actually since because of COVID, but I still get goosebumps. I still have that feeling of excitement every time I play. It doesn't get boring because I know that, you know, someone else would would die to be in the position that I'm in. So I'm, yeah, extremely grateful, have a lot of gratitude for where I'm at. But I also remind myself that I've worked bloody hard to get where I am right now. So I have to give credit to myself sometimes. But, yeah, I've only just started. So I've got a lot more to tick off in the next couple of years. I've got a few big goals to tick off. So I'm not satisfied yet. I've yeah, got big expectations of myself. Like I said, I don't think you'll ever be satisfied, right? No. <laughs> How does it feel to uh, be representing, um, you know, the, the, the Maori culture uh, for the All-Stars game this weekend? I, I can't wait. This is my favourite jersey of any jersey that I've had or wanting to have. Like I think I've just got one more jersey I want. But um, this one's my favourite because it not only represents myself, my culture it represents my family, like I'll be wearing my family name and all my ancestors that came before me. So um, it's a big deal. And it's not just about the footy in this camp. Like, you know, it's different to origin. You know, you have that 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 love-hate relationship between Queensland and New South Wales. Like this one is a, is a respect um, for each other. But on the field, like we want to hammer each other, but it's a different type of competition. Yeah. It's a healthy competition. So been learning about the Indigenous culture as well as our own culture um, has been really oh, just been educated every day and that's what I love of learning about 
the culture, learning about the language, learning about myself, where I come from, my parents. And um, we keep reminding ourselves it's not about the footy. The footy comes last because, you know, you've got to understand where you come from to be a better person on and off the field to play the amazing game that we love. Yeah, I think it's um, super important as well as far as you know, here in Australia and even globally to to stay in contact with our roots, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the Indigenous here in Australia or, or the Maori culture. And it's, it's, it's such an amazing thing to be able to see uh, games like this that, that mm. bring that to the forefront in such a, a massive way. And, and education is so important. Like, you know, I've got dreams and aspirations to get up in Arnhem Land and, um, you know, get to uh, experience the, the Aboriginal culture up there because it's something that I feel is super important to us here in Australia. So, um, but uh, paying respect to your ancestors and and the the Charrington name, I know that there's a, a number of um, you know your your family name is basically synonymous with you know rugby league superstars. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. So we sort of touched on your, the the transition for you. How do you really stay on top of your responsibilities now, especially for you and your busy schedule? Um, do you have any advice for young people who are starting to be more independent? Yeah, I have a few tips. I think it's just basic organisation, you know, with appointments and <laughs> when, you know, because you, you sometimes, oh, well, for me, I book so far in advance for my next appointment. So just knowing that I'm going to be here for my appointments helps. So I have a calendar on my phone, I have a calendar at home and I have a calendar for footy. So, yeah, I always know what's going on in my life. Sometimes I can get a bit lazy and be like, oh, my gosh, like I've got something on. But just staying accountable for your own health, like I keep saying, health is important. This is your heart you're talking about. It's not something you can just forget about and reschedule because um, it's so important. That's why we have our checkups to see if anything's happened in that time that you haven't seen Um your doctor, but um, I know calendars you can see. I do month by month, so it's being organised like that um, really, really helps, but not just with, like, my condition, it just helps with in general, like whether you're studying, working, anything like that. The, the power of technology is such an amazing thing and it's, you know, it, it's integrating so much into our life that it's almost hard to ignore now. So support networks for us. It's, it's a very important part of, you know, our, our physical journey, but almost more importantly, our mental journey. Who is your support network? My support network is my family. For everyone that's not their family, it could be your friends, it could be your auntie, uncle, your grandparents. So, But for me, it's my family. So that's my mum, my dad, my two brothers and my sister. They all moved back to Sydney. Last time I spoke to her kids and we did an interview, my all my family except my brother was still back in Perth. So um, lucky to have them with me now. So with them being here, I feel a lot more grounded. I feel a lot more um, at ease um, with them here. I can finally focus on, you know, my family helped me out a lot. So they just want me to focus on footy and uh, like my other stuff going on. So before I was almost a mum to my bloody siblings. So um, now I can you know, put that aside and we can all help out each other and I can finally focus on a big year that I've got ahead. So my parents do the most for me, um, always checking in with me, whether that's mentally, physically, but also me helping out them as well. So, yeah, it goes two ways. Um, we have a really, really good relationship um, within our family circle, so I'm really grateful for them and, you know, not everyone's lucky to have parents like mine, so 
yeah, I'm very fortunate for them. Yeah, I'm, uh, I wouldn't be the person who I am today or probably even alive today if it wasn't for my mum. You know, she's just an absolute saint and she's done so much for me. So you've done a fair bit of work with Heart Kids and, you know, you're currently a Heart Kids ambassador. Uh, what sort of work have you been doing with them? Um, so I've done this. Oh, we had a virtual walk, you know, the um, two feet and a heartbeat walk. Unfortunately, that couldn't go ahead properly. We did that online. So that was pretty cool. I promoted some stuff on Instagram and got everyone to buy some bracelets because they were all keen because they all obviously know my journey that I've taken. So I've donated to the charity. I've been a spokesperson for some of the stuff that um, they've asked for as well. I did the video showing basically my transition and how I've transitioned from child to adult. And next Tuesday, we've got Sweetheart Day. So I'm going to do some calls and hopefully get some donations because the Heart Kids are doubling the donations. Oh, sorry, not doubling, they're matching. So basically double. So if you donate 100 bucks, they're going to double it and make 200. Yeah, so I can't wait for that next week. <laughs> There's a lot, I hope to do a lot more when my season calms down and obviously with COVID protocol, but yeah, I just I just want to really be that mentor for some kids. Oh, and um, we were supposed to have the Indigenous camp last year, but I couldn't go because the borders closed. So I was not able to attend the camp up in Sunny Coast. I was really looking forward to that one. But hopefully next year, or this year, I should say, if I'm not in season. Well, Sunny Coast is where I live, so uh, you'll have to pop in and say g'day when, uh, when that happens. For sure, for sure. So upon reflection of your heart condition, um, what's some things that it's taught you as a person? It's taught me resilience. You know, sometimes we go through... Um, traumatic stages in our life with, um, you know, whether it's your health or relationships, friendships. Um, it's taught me to be resilient through those times. Um, even though I was young, it still shaped me to be the person and athlete I am today. Uh, it's taught me to be patient. Um, I don't have a lot of patience, but, you know, you aren't going to get results. <laughs> You aren't going to get results in a day and that's, I think, with my healing process, it's taught me I need to listen to my body a lot more um, and that still plays how I am now, looking after my body, not just my heart but the rest of my body because I do play such a physical game. Um, it's taught me to listen to everyone around me. That, that's probably my parents, listening to my parents more. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think... Oh, and um, confidence. It's taught me to speak up because, you know, with I'm fortunate enough to have the platform that I do, and it's not, don't be afraid to um, shy away. Be confident. Speak your story. I have a pretty cool story, so I'm not afraid to speak up because I know what it's like to be that eight year old who, you know, wasn't sure that if she was going to see her 21st birthday. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You've got an amazing story to share. So, so what's coming up next for you? That's, you know, goals both on and off the field. I'll start with on the field because that's the easiest. Um, this Saturday I'm playing All-Stars match. That's the first game of the 12-month calendar for the um, women's game this year uh, for Rugby League. After that I go into NRLW season, so it's the delayed season from last year that we're playing at the beginning of this year, so I'll be playing for Parramatta. That runs till April 10, and then from that I go straight to Shark season, which is like under NRL. That's the rep comp that we play there, so I play for Sharks. 
I play there and then I go to City Country Trials um, if I make it. That's Origin Selection. And from that, go to Origin, State of Origin. We play that. So that's another goal. And from Origin, I hopefully snag another contract for Parramatta uh, for Season 2, which is the original 2022 season at the back end of the men's season. Obviously, want to win a premiership there again. So it's a bit weird this year. is two NRLW seasons in one year, but COVID's made it a bit messy. From that, um, the last jersey I want to get my hands on is a Gillaroos jersey. So I'm currently in the extended squad for World Cup, which was supposed to happen last year in England, but it's been delayed um, to October, November this year. So that's probably the biggest goal that I want to um, tick off my little list. Other than that, play some good footy, have fun, make friends. But off the field, I'm hoping to do a lot more work with Heart Kids. Um, I know it's going to be a very, very busy time for me. So I think it's probably looking after myself and not you know, overdoing myself. I've got to learn, like I said, I don't have much patience. So listening to my body and actually taking time off when I have time off. So hopefully travel around Australia if the borders aren't open in the time periods that I have off. I'm doing a lot of work. So currently I'm working at um, South Sydney High in Maroubra. I'm doing some SLSO work there. So I'm like a teacher's aide with kids who need assistance, who have government funding. So that's been pretty good as well. Just started first day back um, when school began in January. And, yeah, I've got a few things that I'm not allowed to say just yet, but you'll see that are happening for me. <laughs> and, yeah, there, there's a lot going on in my life. <laughs> a lot of exciting things are ahead of me for 2022. So, yeah, just got to stay injury-free and um, look after my body. Sounds like a very uh, busy and exciting year for you. But I think that just about wraps it up from us here. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. It's It's amazing to to hear about your journey and it's, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you and I'm sure, um, you know, that I speak on, on behalf of, you know, the adult, the parents of heart kids and heart kids themselves and it's it's heartwarming to see somebody who has had uh, a congenital heart defect reach such an elite level within a professional sport so it's it's commendable for you to, to do these things and and thank you from, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me this platform to do that as well. Um, I can't wait for Sweetheart Day next Monday. And it's my heart anniversary coming up on Feb 22, so that I mark 12 years, I think, since I had surgery. So exciting times. <laughs> very exciting. I just had my five-year anniversary on Australia Day this year. So, yeah, very exciting you. times. That's awesome news. Yeah. Thank you very much. One last thing before we go. Go Queensland. No. Up the blues. <laughs> <laughs> If this episode has brought up anything for you or you need some advice or guidance on your CHD journey, you can call the Heart Kids Helpline on 1800 432 785. To access more information as well as find out more about the support Heart Kids offers, visit the website at heartkids.org.au. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect yours or your family's health.